Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans, to episode 144 of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. As a reminder, my name is Ty the Safa Braga. Joining me as per usual, we've got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. We are the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And we're going to be back in just a moment to be able to share some news from across the rugby realms and around the pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. gentlemen you know how it goes but a quick reminder for those who may be tuning in for the first time this is where you get your news fast and of course we're going to send it once around the screen each one of us is going to give what we think fans should learn about should know about should hear about whatever it is we're going to send it your way and i'm going to pass the ball first off to scott the big guy ferrara hey everybody so i'm here to talk about the first off-season trade in the mlr uh, for uh, the um, 2023 draft. Again, the 2023 draft is going to be Thursday, August 17th, at starting at 6.30 Eastern on FS2. We will be starting our coverage at 6 p.m. Eastern, um, having some special guests going live through the draft, as we have been for the past ooh, four years now. Um, but let's talk about the, the trade, the actual trade. So um, Houston has traded uh, Robbie Povey. Uh, we, we know that name, one, because he's a great, great player, a Canadian player playing out of Houston. But we also remember Robbie Povey because he was actually the first player ever traded for a draft pick before the inaugural draft. Um, Houston receives Toronto's first round pick in the 2023 draft. And this has kind of been a, um, a thing with Toronto. Um, you know, their colleges work a little bit differently. You know, they tend to stick with Canadian players. Um, so usually they're taking their draft picks and they're sending them off either, either perform player spots or bringing guys home like Robbie Povey. So congratulations, Robbie, coming back home to uh, Toronto. Yeah, and as we draw ever closer to that uh, MLR draft, we'll continue to be able to share what news we learn about. And, of course, we'll continue to be able to follow it and share it with you as rugby fans. Uh, that'll be August 17th will be the MLR draft. And we'll be doing our show in conjunction with that. If you want to get an even deeper insight, as we've been doing for a couple of years, and by we, I mean Rob and Scott, because I've been absent for almost every one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although the last time I was on a plane to, to, to Denver, Colorado for Rugby Town 7. So I had an excuse. This year, I actually managed to be able to, it's the week after that. So uh, I'm happy. And uh, and you always do such a phenomenal job, Rob, of uh, getting all the guests lined up. And we'll continue to be able to share who we've got lined up. But uh, that also gives me the chance to throw it over to you with what you might have to share. Thanks, Ty. And yeah, let me drip one of our guests. We've already confirmed Mike Matarazzo, a Chicago Hound, a back row player, is going to join us. And the thing about 
Mike is that he was actually in a draft. He got to experience that on the player end of things. He's been through a trade. Of course, he was, you know, drafted by Dallas and then he's now with the Hounds. So he's kind of been through the process. He knows what these guys are experiencing, what they're going through, what they're going to go through, and what they're going to experience, you know, uh, going to a new team, a new city, and then going through the process as a professional. So we're look we're looking to draw from his experience and knowledge. I'm glad to have Mike on the show. He's a wonderful kid um, and, and really uh, knowledgeable and well-spoken. So I can't wait for him to join us. But let me talk about the MLR. You know, we're kind of bookending the season now. And I just want to mention, in case you haven't seen, uh, I'm going to toot my own horn. Uh, Jason Potros from the New England Free Jacks is the player of the year. And of course, Ty and I, I believe, Ty and I, I know I did, both in a, two episodes ago said that he was going to be player of the year. He was our selection as player of the year. And of right. course, that has come uh, to fruition. Um, he's heading over to play with Taranaki. That's where he came from. So it's not a, you know, unusual for players to kind of play in both uh, in, in both uh, uh, leagues um, is also the MLR championship player of the match. Uh, go back to the rugby rant podcast. Uh, I did a brief interview with him after the MLR championship. So I got a chance to catch up with him then uh, 16 matches, 47 conversions, 15 penalties and a thousand meters ran over the course of the season. Congratulations to him. One hell of a year for him, especially uh, now two years running the New England Free Jacks at Player of the Year. Yeah, and, and this year it paid off with uh, due diligence, of course, giving them the title and an exciting matchup. Uh, I'm going to take the opportunity to turn the attention to sevens as we step away from 15s. And this is important because we're going to be diving into the conversation of PR sevens a little bit later on. And while we're on the topic to be able to help set us up, I'm going to talk a little bit about the HSBC Sevens, which has recently undergone a bit of a revamp. Uh, there's been lots of news across all different rugby uh, publications talking about what it might look like. And finally, it has been revealed. Uh, a less is more concept has been adopted, I believe. Um, we had a lot of great stops on the HSBC Seven circuits. Um, some of them were reviewed and uh, in looking at what they thought would be the best to be able to help grow the game, create a festival atmosphere for travel, tourism, and geographically located in prominent areas that they want to continue growing the brand of Sevens. USA and Canada stuck around on that list. So that's a good thing for, for rugby in North America as a whole. LA will retain its place and likewise for Canada with Vancouver. But else, uh, others on that list is Dubai with the UAE, Cape Town, South Africa. You've got Perth, Australia, Los Angeles, I mentioned, Vancouver, Hong Kong, Singapore and Madrid. You might take uh, note that many of those areas are not your traditional powerhouses in rugby. And that is for good reason, because there's new markets to explore. There's great places to be able to take rugby and show the rest of the world. And Sevens is a wonderful format to do so. Um, and that's why, you know, it's no surprise to be able to see America and Canada still on that list. Scott, what else do you have for us? Uh, well, I'm going a little bit uh, south of the border, as we'll say. And, you know, we, this is a North American rugby show, but... We just want to shout out a little tidbit. Um, the oldest rugby club in the Americas turned 162 
on July 19th, 2023. Um, the Montevideo Cricket Club, the MVCC, was the first rugby club in Uruguay, and it was established July 18th, 1861. It's recognized as the Twickenham Museum of Rugby as being the eighth oldest club in the world. The seventh clubs that are older than the Montevideo Cricket Club are all in Ireland, England, and Scotland, which I found yeah. interesting. So they were the first one to, to break the mold getting out of the uh, the UK and Ireland there. So uh, it's cool. It's just a little tidbit. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we love to see where the tradition and, and the history comes from. So congratulations on turning 162 Montevideo Cricket Club. Yes. Yeah, that's a really short list of clubs that are even older than 100, right? And mm-hmm. then to crack 150 and then to be among the top 10 ever uh, kudos to them man and to keep rugby going and and where uruguayan rugby is now you know it's great to be able to see clubs like that get honored and and get respected for their contribution because i'm pretty sure that it's a staple of the rugby community there and south america so great shout out awesome 162 years old rob what else do you have to share with us Oh man, it's hard to beat that. I mean, Scott came in hot, just like you said. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. Promised and he delivered. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm gonna do my best and bring it back to sevens because we are focused on sevens in episode 144 of the Rugby Ramp Podcast Show, and that is last week the North American Invitational Sevens or NAI Sevens were played uh, July 22nd, 23rd in Salt Lake City, Utah, not in Harriman. Uh, but there were a lot of folks uh, connected with the Utah Warriors that were there. Um, by the way, Brandon Sparks, um, no longer with the Utah Warriors, but he was there officiating uh, as a part of the Sevens experience. So it was good to see him staying involved in rugby out in Utah. But this was basically, the, this um, tournament was created for young athletes to compete with others from around the world, creating a safe, well-organized environment and providing an opportunity for those athletes to be looked at by scouts. And there's somewhere between, I think they said 30 and 40 scouts present. I know one of those was a good friend of the show. My guy, David Fee, U18 sevens coach from the United States. He was checking out some talent. He of course has taken a, uh, a team USA team down in New Zealand this December. So he was kind of looking at, you know, if he could mine some talent there to, to take down to New Zealand. But um, you got uh Age grades from U14 all the way up to U23, uh, both on the boys and the girls. Just want to, you know, touch upon two of the top men's and, and girls programs. You have the U23 Mustangs, 33 over the San uh, Mateo Wolverines, 19 on the men's side, and the U18 Elite Girls. Uh, Rugby Advantage Black, 19 over the Mystics, 14. Uh, so, you know, great matches played. Uh, Fee called me from field side. You know, there's all kinds of cheering going on. It was a wonderful experience from what I could hear. And in the, you know, again, this kind of talks about that rugby attainment that we always go back to. They had the Utah Days Rodeo actually going on in conjunction with this event. I think that's a reflection of the fact that when you kind of bring in that tournament atmosphere and that environment of you know, other things built around the rugby experience, you can really enhance the rugby and enhance the viewing and enhance uh, the eyeballs on the game. So it was great to see. And don't forget, Utah incorporated that rodeo theme into their city jersey, too. So, you know, they're really thinking about the big picture, um, which is good to see. 
And I, I feel in a way that's where sevens rugby has been ahead of the curve for quite a while. You know, like I, I, I mean, I know plenty of people that would go for the party and stay for the rugby. You know, right. and, and that's something that has been a, a bit of a, a tradition when it comes to sevens. And it's it's no surprise now to be able to see the rest of rugby go, wow, they got something good. You know, if you could uh, package a little bit of that excitement and uncork it uh, in, in, in rugby here, you know, fans will come to be able to enjoy it. And you have to be able to offer these secondary and tertiary benefits. So it's great to be able to see that. But good shout out for all of those uh, uh, those young athletes, of course, the next generation as well. Uh, and I want to talk about the next generation here as I dive into the U20s. Now, they've been taking their opportunity overseas to be able to compete in the World Trophy. Uh, this is kind of like seen as, as, as an, an emerging nations league. Um, the one above, of course, would include South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and all these countries competing against each other, which recently took place in South Africa. But in Kenya, we have all the other countries assembled. And uh, the USA U20 took on Scotland. This was going to be by far their greatest challenge of the tournament. Uh, unfortunately, they came lesser and certainly had many lessons to learn. There were six tries scored against them from Scotland, leaving a final scoreline of 40 to 13. Although the USA showed much promise in the early stages, but it's the, uh, the depth in the squad uh, that certainly shone through and in the final moments uh, really solidified that, uh, that they were the better team was Scotland. It still leaves them in a precarious position. Uh, there are many great things to be able to take away from this competition. The best of all is the fact that they've been able to play great competition overseas and, uh, you know, continue to be able to grow the players, the sport and the infrastructure around them. Because these U20, these 19, 20 year olds, hopefully will be the ones taking the field wearing the red, white and blue come 2031 on U.S. soil. So we have to invest in them now. Make sure that you pay attention to that because there's going to be a lot of names that you might be able to learn now and watch them grow over the next decade. So, gentlemen, there we have it again around the pitch. What we know, we share with you as rugby fans. And again, as a reminder, you can continue to be able to get more content from us online or on our social media or following us through audio podcasts under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We'll continue to be able to follow this and more. In particular, if you want to be able to learn about the MLR draftees and hear from our panel of experts, make sure you follow us. We'll continue to share that closer and closer we get to it. But for now, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be coming back talking about PR7s. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. 
Welcome back, rugby fans. Again, it's time to be able to talk about PR7s. It has been an exciting expansion season for the Premier Rugby 7s program, the peak of domestic 7s program here on U.S. soil. And we have got Rob and Scott who are going to be able to share more insight as to two particular things that they think are important for fans to be able to have their attention drawn to. One is how do we get here as we stand on the eve of the final in being hosted on August 6th. And that will take place in Washington, D.C. So how do we get here? It was expanded into five different legs. It introduced new cities. It introduced new teams. We're going to dive into that and more as we go even further into this topic. But then finally, we're going to ask them to draw their attention towards the final itself and the teams that compete. And we're going to dive into that with uh, the knowledge of knowing that it's going to be men's and women's that are competing, but there's actually going to be three titles up for grabs, as those PR7 fans might very well know. The final opportunity, not only is it top men's honors and top ladies' honors, but is the United Championship uh, title, which is the combined scores and efforts of both men and women to find an overall winner that they crown as the United Champion. So there is a lot to be able to unpack here. It has been an exciting expansion year for PR7s. We on the Rugby Rant were fortunate enough to be able to speak with many of the game players who have helped bring it to fruition at the beginning of the season. They promised us action in new sites across the United States. And let me recap some of those for those fans that are not aware. It first kicked off in Austin, Texas, and that was June 17th. The following week, they took it on the road up to Minneapolis, and that was the first time that they had ever been there, and that was June 24th. Then took a couple of weeks break, and coming back June 15th, they took a place, uh, the event took place in San Jose, then most recently in Pittsburgh, where we have uh, had the Hot Steel Toes really taking their uh, debut opportunity to Hot and also taking the honors with it. Gentlemen, I have uh, laid the foundation here and uh, I will hand it to Scott Ferrara to take the first opportunity. Well, I think, you know, I, so now this will be my one, two, third event, third year going to a, a PR7s event. I will be in Washington, D.C. Um, and I think this format is, is what, is what we're looking for. This is the future of, of PR sevens. And I think it worked very well. Um, you stretched it across coast to coast, right? So that's the first thing, um, you're going mm-hmm. West coast all the way to East coast. You've expanded to new teams. You brought back some teams, uh, the locals coming back. You had the, the retrievers, uh, as a new team, you had the steel toes as a new team. You kept the format of pay quality. Uh, for men and women, you kept the format of the United Championship, which means there's something to play for. It's almost like the, uh, the bonus point system, in my opinion, right? There's always something to play for, especially with the United Championship. Um, if you get a hard go of it in the men's side and your women's side is cruising, you know, those couple, you know, a couple wins at the back end of the men's side can get you to that United Championship. Um, it's It really is a party. It, and every place so far I've watched it on YouTube has been a party. Um, that's the atmosphere, the festival atmosphere, you know, Ty was talking about with the new, um, upgraded quote unquote, uh, HSBC sevens, right. Um, it, we always saw that in Vegas, uh, that party atmosphere last year in DC, it was a great party right up until the lightning showed up. And then as soon as the lightning left, people were partying in the rain. Um, you had a whole bunch of different, um, sports there. Uh, the, uh, the nationals were there. 
Um, I don't remember that. I, I, it's I can't remember the DC's uh, WAB NBA team was there. They had last year. They had the uh, the moving um, women's rugby uh, uh, museum there, which was friggin' awesome. Rob got to see it at one point, and then I got to see it there. Uh, it was great. It was. I think this is where I don't know if they need to expand to more stops next year as much as they need to mm-hmm. fine tune what they have now. Right. You know, grow on the ticket sales, do their analytics, what worked, what didn't work, what were the YouTube um, views like. Last year, they used half of the, the, the broadcasts were on Fubo Sports for free, and then it would go to Fox Sports 2. Going to YouTube, now you have access to control your own content completely in your own production. A little bit easier to navigate for most of the people online. Right. And, and it also becomes an international product because everybody exactly. can tune into YouTube. Except if you're in China. Um, so it's one of those oh, things where <laughs> it's one of those things where I think this is the, the the next step isn't a huge step like they had this year. It's incremental steps to fine tune yeah. what they have better. But re- the real reason I'm going to get hot right now is the fucking steel toes are stealing my fucking ideas. So I've been wearing a hard hat all goddamn season with rugby New York ironworkers. Shout out to my hard hats in section six. And all of a sudden, these newbies, these band jumping bandwagon fans show you know up what? to Pittsburgh with a friggin' hard hat that says steel toes. Cut, you know, cut the zero. Sorry, sorry, I'm I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. Yeah, Go Rob's brother is a uh, is a uh, is a lawyer, so I'm checking out Hammerschmidt Esquire to start sending my papers. <laughs> as my trademark uh, has already been signed. Be careful, because he, he's a Steelers fan, uh, so he you know he might not. That's, be... See, but that's the perfect. You can talk to those people and explain to them why they're a thief. <laughs> right. I, I I just what I feel like we should do now is make like a, a smear campaign, and we're going to change their logo to like as as Scott said, they stole it. They steal it, so we're gonna make it S T E A L and like the steel toes. They stole it yeah. from him. We can post that shit everywhere. And we're gonna make sure we get that the steel toes. So you, can you visualize that's it? That's wrong. Oh, that's my new campaign now. How you made a monster brother? But no, um, go back to the topic. You know, that's lighthearted. Um, yes, I think I think this is the way forward. I think it was. It's, it's has been successful. I'm anticipating a successful final in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Come see the big guy. I'll be on the field. I'll be in the stadium. Um, if you're around that area, good place to eat, by the way. Jimmy T's. It's a little diner, cash-only joint up in Georgetown. Fucking phenomenal. Been going there prior to me going to D.C. for rugby. Um, so check out the big guy at Jimmy T's a, a couple mornings in a row, and then I'll be off to uh, Audi Field. Nice. So let's let's unpack a little bit of that, right? So festival atmosphere, great reason to be able to go, awesome reason to be able to stay, to be able to enjoy all the entertainment, all the activities, everything that they got going on. And why you brought that up is that you thought that did a wonderful job, but they don't necessarily need to do more. We just need to get more people there. We need to be able to grow the awareness, the reach, and, and of course, the views. And everything will come, right? If you have enough eyeballs, and we talk about it with rugby in general, it doesn't matter which version of it it is, but the more people you have attracted to being able to watch it, the more people will come to love it. You know, every, every rugby fan here in America or wherever they may be knows at least one person that they helped introduce to the game. They go, huh, I didn't even know how much fun this was. That's what we want for an entire nation, right? And PR7s is helping to be able to do that through some of these mechanics. And uh, they really do 
taken that extra step further. And right now they've done a phenomenal job of taking sevens across the nation and helping elevate that uh, version of the sport that we all love phenomenally well. Rob, I hand it back to you now. What else do you have to be able to share when it comes to PR sevens and this season? Yeah, I've got a lot. First of all, I'd like to touch upon something that Scott mentioned, and that is it's always a hallmark of a good organization when they review what worked and what didn't work. And Scott mentioned this, right? They they review what worked and didn't work, and then they they really evaluate what do they need to change. And, And again, it goes back to the point that I think was made, which is they don't need to change that much. You know, do they really need to add another team or two? Probably not. Do they need to add more venues? Probably not. I think for right now they stick they stick with what's working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the value in the number of venues having an east and a west is a couple fold. Number one, your festival doesn't carry on a whole weekend. So it, it, it occupies a good portion of the day, but not so much though that you can't have the other entertainment around it. I think we saw from the MLR final that if you have, you know, you can have a good day as rugby, but you can also have that entertainment that bookends it, that really brings people there. And, you know, for a family, you don't have, you know, um, rugby, not committed rugby fans like us, but you have kind of tertiary rugby fans that will go and say, I had a great time, but it it didn't overcook me. Right. And I think that's a big value. The, the other thing is, is by having, you know, two events in the East, two events in the West, it allows people who are huge rugby fans that want to see both events. It's not terribly expensive. Like, you know, okay, I got to fly to DC. I got to fly to Austin. Then I can go to my home venue in San Jose. Um, you can go to those two East and West event, East or West events. And then if you want to go to the final, you can. So it makes it a little bit more manageable. One mm. of the things I'd like to see them do is, and they did it a little bit this year, like for example, the loonies were, you know, everything went regional this year, right? The the right. franchises were more regional. I think we saw that with the Rhinos last year. Um, we're now, you know, sponsoring the loggerheads, but we're, we're seeing it even more. Uh, for example, the loonies had Noah Brown, who's a Midwest guy. Of course, that's kind of the Midwest team and Jack Sidalgo, which is a Chicago guy. And that's, again, that's kind of the Midwest team. So that's kind of good to see. Um, I was a little disappointed, like a guy like Will Chevalier didn't get in there. I'd like to see that enhanced a little bit more so that, you know, a guy from the middle of us is going to say, hey, I've been following, you know, Jackson, I've been following Noah, and I've been following Will and some of those guys, and they're on my team. They're guys that I know, they're guys that I've watched, and girls too, for that matter. So, you know, they can enhance that and tweak that a little bit. That I think would make it uh, something more followable by uh, fans. Um, so, you know, um, I think there's some things they've got really right. They could just, you know, tweak them a bit and make them a little bit better. Here's one big thing that I think, um, I I wanted to touch upon. I was a little dubious. I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I was a little bit critical and a little bit dubious of having five weekends. You know, if I recall Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, talking about the news of, of all the changes they were making, I was like, boy, can the American rugby public really sustain all that rugby activity? Right. And it was right in the middle of an MRR final. And there right. was a whole bunch of things going on. I was dubious, but I think they got it right. I think the only real conflict was with um, with the first weekend, which 
also was a, I think week uh, week eighteen of the MLR season. You know, there mm-hmm. were a couple guys. I know Dep- Depper Schmidt from the Noel Gold, as well as uh, Jenkins, had to miss that weekend because they were in Toronto. Uh, that again, they might want to tweak the schedule. But I was, but I think that um, the schedule allowed for some flexibility too, because w- what's going on set is the fact that did we notice Isaiah Cruz, Lorenzo Villiani, who are both. Uh, playing for, I think, mm, I forgot what sevens team they were playing for. I'd have to go back, maybe the Lauderheads. But uh, they were actually able to play in the, the Collegiate Rugby Shield a week ago, or week two, yeah, two weeks ago, and then they played PR7s the following weekend. So they got an opportunity to play in both and manage that. Same holds true right. for some of those club sevens guys. And specifically, right. uh, I'll talk about Nick Beeks, Michael Basco, who are both playing for the Bombers and they were playing with the headliners, they were able to, to make their two qualifiers uh, for the, the locals. They were playing for the goddamn look. Put them on the right team, Rob. Put them on the right team. <laughs> Are you talking about Basca and Feeks? Yeah. Okay, yeah, they were for the locals. I was they saying about, at club level, they were also playing for the bomb. No, no, no yeah, you said, you said they were playing for the headliners. No, no, no. I was talking about uh, Cruz and Villani. You'll have to check and see who they play for. Dude, they got we run digress. Back tape, everybody. Run back to <laughs> no, no. Feeks, Feeks and, we get the team I, out. I know Feeks and, and Basco were playing with the locals because Feeks was kind of representing New York a little bit because he was up there in the last, you know, uh, obviously with the MLR. With um, anyway, I'm breaking my fucking concentration. God damn it! Nevertheless, <laughs> they were playing with the Bombers. They were able to get their two qualifiers in, play for the Bombers in the club side, and they were also able to compete in the, in the PR mm-hmm. seven. Same with Evan Conlon, who had been competing with the Dallas Reds and who was also playing in PR sevens as well. So with the team, by the way. So, you know, I think the, there was flexibility in that guys were able to play in both, you know, clubs. Yeah, and to your earlier point, and, and, that's yeah. because they weren't weekend long events, that they right. had that flexibility. So, right. yeah, I mean, smart planning. Or you were playing yeah, several weekends in a row like you had been in the past where it was three weekends in a row. Now it's yeah. kind of broken up with a, 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 a little bit with an east right. and a west. Right. And even sevens tournaments at the highest level are also thinking about that. You know, at one stage they were testing on the HSB circuit. They were doing uh, ladies on the Thursday and then it was combined on Friday and Saturday. And then men would end it out on Saturday and, and Sunday. That's too much for, for a, a, even the biggest cities to be able to keep an audience engaged and keep numbers high. Yeah. Um, sometimes less is more. And in this case, I think that they nailed the right balance. You don't want to go too much. And overextend yourselves, over ask too much from your audience, your fan, your your general fans, um, and you don't want to do too little that they walk away disappointed. So it is a really tough balance to be able to strike. But the the sentiments have all been pretty good from fanfare, uh, entertainment value, product on the field. Their marketing has been spot on. They've been yeah, the social media has been really strong. They've gotten a lot of great um, uh, people who are rugby loving fans to be engaged and create content in addition to the players themselves providing content they've embraced so many different things so they they, they really have something good um and and then initially people think well if you've got something good how do we make it better and i'm not really sure that's where they need to go next season i think that they as you guys rightly pointed out bigger doesn't always mean better right, right? what it means now is be consistent Provide an even better rugby product. Make sure that you work out the little kinks in the calendar. Continue to provide top quality entertainment. And fans will come to be able to know it for that experience. 
um, but on, on, a, on a greater, higher level view, PR7s being a success is a great thing for USA Rugby 7s program because what do we all complain about? That USA Rugby players don't have enough competition. And here you've got an entire season laid out for you at a pro level uh, for both men and women providing equal platform to be able to apply their trade and we can find the next generation of Rugby 7 superstars and future Olympian athletes too. Hey, here's a question for both of you. Give me an up or down. Does PR7s add a team in the East and the team of the West next year to make it a five-team competition in each in each uh, conference? I'll let, I'll let Scott take this one first. I don't think so. I think though the next what the next step would be in two years, you add yeah. a Eastern Conference Canadian team and a Western Conference Canadian team, and have a and have one of the legs in Canada. Mm, that's a that's strong, an interesting take. Strong suggestion. Yeah. I like it. I Owen like Scannell, remember this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be the steel toes, right? <laughs> Don't take it from me. Exactly. <laughs> or if you do, the big tag, guy. Just tag him at least. Um, yeah. I mean, look, like fans always enjoy the idea of adding more teams. I like it for a couple of different reasons. I think that it adds, it creates a larger player pool. Um, which is also important for, for domestic rugby. Um, and hopefully it does reach new markets as well. But I don't think next year would be the time to do that. Uh, um, expansion is important because it is one of the goals for any professional rugby organization. It's for any business, right? You need to be able to expand and find new markets. I would rather see them get it filling every stadium and having a fully professional side and being fielded every time and then ask for a new team. Yeah. And, and that can, you could extend to, to major league rugby for, uh, for, for next season as well, or the season afterwards, you know, people just want to be able to see new teams because they just want rugby to come to their town. Yeah. And so gentlemen, we need to turn our attention to the final now, August 6th. As a reminder for fans, Washington DC is the venue. And it's going to be the fifth stop in this season for PR sevens. <coughs> it leaves the, uh, the woman, and men having four teams competing in a semi to be able to obviously have the opportunity to progress to the final. Uh, those teams would include, uh, let me go ahead and remind myself, it is the headliners and the locals and then the loonies and the experts competing against each other on the women's side. Then on the men's side, we have the experts taking on the loggerheads and the steel toes taking on the Texas team. Gentlemen, what thoughts do we have about this final weekend of the teams involved? Rob, I'll throw it to you first. Well, it's interesting. I think there's been some consistency on the women's side to perhaps make the predictions a little bit easier. You know, the loonies have been really, really strong, um, you know, making the making the final uh, from the West and, and, you know, both legs in the West, um, losing, you know, uh, winning one, losing the other, both by narrow margins. And, and then the headliners have been on the Eastern uh, Conference, you know, have been really strong, um, winning both uh, legs. So, you know, uh, the, the, the headliners are going to get, you know, my nod, um, you know, on the women's side. Uh, again, I, I think there's been some consistency there in the women. The, the men's, on the other hand, has been a real, real – crapshoot to an extent 
especially in the East. You know, you've seen it kind of like round one, there was, you know, teams were just beating each other in the round robin process, if you will. And so it's been real hard to predict. Um, in the end of the day, I'm going to go with the experts. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the experts uh, uh, for the men's side of things. And my United champion is going to be the experts. Interesting. Because you know, right now, women's on both sides. So they have to be the odds on. Yeah. Board. And on that United championship um, point that you brought up, right now, going into this final leg, the headliners and the experts are tied overall for championship points at 44 apiece. So, you know, it, no wonder you see those two being standouts. It's going to come down to the end. That's what great finals should do. A final leg should be unpredictable. It should be head to head. It yeah. should be all the excitement that comes with the anticipation of who's going to take it. But what I love again about this is that not only are you doing that for the men's and the women's, but collectively their contribution as well, which is another addition that is unique, I think, to PR sevens is to have those three titles being up for grabs. Scott, what else do you have to share? Well, I mean, just, you know, talking about the women's sides, you know, Rob mentioned the loonies, um, the loonies women is, is outstanding roster. Obviously Lev Kelter has been on that, uh, been on that roster since day one with the loonies, but you also have Temi Ugunjimi who has been killing at this tournament. Um, it's, it's really tough to really, I think as much as the loonies have been kind of really killing it on the women's side and, and the headliners have been killing it. Um, you know, it's one of those things like what I think when you're coming to DC, what's the lineup going to look like? You know, it's, it's changed uh, dramatically, um, you know, from week to week based on attrition. Unfortunately, uh, you know, our, our girl, uh, Abby had to, uh, was forced out of the steel toe lineup, the women's steel toe lineup with an injury, uh, coming into this, this home, uh, town, uh, tournament, uh, last week. It was unfortunate. Um, I'm just, uh, <sighs> I think what you're going to see is I think you're going to see my, my girls and the locals kind of break out a little bit. And the reason I'm saying that is that out of all the teams, they've kind of had the less time to practice. They have a bunch of internationals, um, you know, like, like Stacy Walker and stuff like that. Nina Wilson, um, you know, so their, their practice time was very limited together. So I think now they're going to start to gel. Um, they started to gel this past weekend. And I think they're going to print kind of bring that through um, Nini weathers in there, just really killing it right now as well. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to say, I'm going to go hometown boy. I'm going to say the, the locals take the women's title. I think they're going to shock the world here. The men's, like Rob said, it's it's up for grabs. You know, that that Pittsburgh Steel Toe men's, those thieves, um, they have a really good lineup. Our buddy Aki Raymond, uh, who I interviewed last year, he's a good dude on that team. Campbell Johnstone, Ben Pinkelman, obviously one of the biggest, uh, bigger names there on that team. You know, right. Actually player of the Pittsburgh tournament too. Yeah. Exactly. So my question is, did they kind of use up all their juice in their hometown tournament and Mm-hmm. When they come in flat, mm-hmm. um, when you look at the team, like, you know, the headliners with Ross Depperschmidt yeah. and, uh, and Tommy Clark, um, Will Chevalier, uh, Dom Bailey, um, Sam Walsh, funny, funny enough, taking the 99 number, as we know, uh, got, you could take whatever number you want, but, uh, that was really, um, that was really a jazz gray thing last year coming out with the great one ninety nine. So, uh, it's interesting to see, uh, somebody else take that 99 Jersey, but again, what are we loggerheads right you go let's go let's go through their lineup our buddy patrick madden um uh jack rampton Derek adams you know it's it's like again another team that's just just killing it um i don't it's uh, men the men's a real tough one like the the men is is absolutely tough because especially the loonies right the loonies men's side dan norton 
Like, hey, how do you count him out? You know, like, dude, dude's a one man. This is the step. exciting thing well, about Madison like, Hughes with the Fuego, experts right? has been and Fuego as well. You know. Yeah, well, the th- and the th- look at Madison Hughes playing, you know, some of the best rugby he's played in a while because he's yeah. not on the international circuit. Right. You know, unfortunately, in the, the later part of his career, he had injury issues. And I think now that he can actually take care of himself, he's be a better player for it. Um, I got to be honest, I think I'm going to go loggerheads winning uh, the men. I have faith in Patrick Madden and his squad. He's led that squad since the loggerheads were a team um, in the, the first year. Unfortunately, they lost uh, in penalty kicks, and Patrick Madden unfortunately missed a kick after he was injured. Uh, and and the next kick, I believe, for uh, the was it the experts, right? What was Feast team, right? Is the experts? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Mar- Marty Isofa, I believe, slotted the, the game winner after Patrick unfortunately took a kick injured. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say. Um, Loggerheads take take the whole thing for the men's and United. <sighs> That's another one. It's it's kind of up for grabs. It depends on who shows up. Yeah, because it's interesting. You know, right yeah. now, I think the loggerheads are sitting uh, about eight or ten points away from position one and two, which is of course shared at forty four points. So you know, it'll be interesting to be able to see. Um, obviously, I, I don't know if there's actually. I actually don't know if there's more points weighted to winning the. Uh, the no, football. I think it's. I, I don't think so. I don't okay. Think so. I think it's the same amount of points. So I they they they, you know, even if they win. Two, and you know they'd have to have a bunch of people, men's and women's team lose, which is possible. Yeah. It could happen, but it's you know it's a slight chance. Um, but th- this is why I like having this United Championship because again, like I was mentioning before, mm-hmm. at any point anybody can win one of those. Um, so I, I yeah. got to be honest. I think the Loonies take that away because they're they're, they're going to statistically right. be playing the most matches. So recap. From Scott Ferrara, it looks like on the women's side, you're going to be backing the locals. And then on the men's, the loggerheads. Yes. Rob, you were backing the headliners for the ladies, uh, going with you know how their form has been consistent throughout. You're hoping to be able to see more of the same as they get the job done in the final weekend. And on the men's side, uh, remind me again, was it the loonies? Or no, it was the experts, was it? Mm-hmm. The experts. So, yeah, all good picks. Expert overall. Overall, yeah, absolutely as well. So we'll have to be able to uh, to come back to this, put a pen in and remind ourselves. Uh, where I've you got it written start. down. You do. Good stuff, because we would forget this 10 minutes after the show. Um, <laughs> I know but, I will. That's why I wrote it down. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I want to remind folks again that if you wanted to take the opportunity to view this exciting rugby as we recommend that you certainly do so, you can catch it now on their YouTube channel, absolutely free, of course, as anything else would be on YouTube, and it's easy to access, and you're going to get the beginning half of the entertainment. But if you really want to get the top the best quality uh, broadcast value. You're going to switch over to FS1 to be able to catch the finals for both the men's and women's. That's going to be the top product, the best rugby athletes of the entire series competing for top honors, not only for their team, but of course for, uh, for themselves as well to be able to take away a championship and the honors that go with it. Uh, Scott Ferrara will be field side. We hope to be able to see him there, catch as much as he can as he has done so in the past for us. And we'll do so again. If you happen to be able to see him, Please make sure that you uh, get as many photos. It's like watching and catching a, a, an image of Bigfoot. We enjoy <laughs> being able to see it out in the wild, uh, but we don't believe it. 
<laughs> um, but uh, Scott, what else did you want to be able to share? I know you like to be able to encourage fans to be able to grab you when you are uh, at the Yeah, venue. absolutely. Grab me, take a picture with me, say hello, bullshit a little bit with me. That's what it's all about. I think, you know, me and Rob can attest uh, when we, we travel to rugby events. The best part about it is somebody just saying, hey, big guy, I love the show. And at least give yeah. me a high five. If you're going to feed me, just watch your hands. Don't want to lose a finger. <laughs> fair stuff i like it and uh you can continue to be able to grab more of our content online by following us under the handle at rugby rant pod on all the social media platforms that you may choose to use in addition to finding our audio podcasts available on any of the major platforms as well also under the handle at rugby rant pod where we continue to be able to grow rugby one fan at a time and we do that with your help and the help of some great partners along the way so tell us how you think we do continue to be able to share your comments and we continue to be able to invite you to also join us here on the show because maybe you want to be able to take on rob or scott or even myself and we welcome the challenge in fact it keeps us on our toes so if you think you got what it takes tag us and say i'm in and we'll put you to the test in a future rant gentlemen again another great episode we wish everybody the opportunity to be able to tune into pr7s but where it is right now is an exciting product and we're only even more excited as the years go by to see where it may go as the seasons continue thank you very much and on behalf of scott the big guy ferrara rob the hammer hammerschmidt and of course myself ty the sapper braga you've been watching episode 144 of the rugby rant podcast show and we will see you at the next Thank <laughs> you.